Dan, think about it, like visualize. I'm coming to you as a COO. I'm asking for more resources for my initiative. It's one thing to say, hey, initiative number two, hey, I have a quality problem there. You would say, okay, I need more data. Totally natural response, right? If I zoom in on this initiative and show you, hey, you know what, Dan? Look, over the last six months, my open bug rate trend is this. Now we're having a totally different conversation and say, hey, you know what, Iran? Yes, I can totally support putting like two more QA people or engineers that are focused on quality. Now understand, yeah, we want to be more predictable. We all understand that we have a quality issue. Want to reduce your team's code review time by up to 40% without touching your budget? Gitstream is the new free dev tool from Linear B that eliminates a key bottleneck in your team's workflow, pull requests and code reviews. After reviewing the work of over 2,000 dev teams, Linear B's engineers and data scientists found that pickup times for code reviews were lasting four to five days longer than they should be. The good news is that they found these delays could be eliminated in four key steps. First, by adding context to every pull request, such as estimated time to review. Second, automatically assigning the right reviewer and number of reviewers to pull requests. Third, having code review automation that auto-request changes. And finally, by automating PR approvals and merges. To learn more about how Gitstream works and to try it out free for your team, please visit gitstream.cm or search for Gitstream in the GitHub Marketplace. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Dev Interrupted. I'm your host, Dan Lines, COO at Linear B. And today I'm joined by Aran Shitrit, VP of Product at Linear B. Aran, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Dan. Happy to be here. Feels like so privileged to be in Dev Interrupted. I know you for a year and a half. What took you so long, Dan? I know. Oh, my God. So it's like it's your first appearance on DI. What a special treat for everyone. You and I go way back. And uh, that's why it like feels so good to finally have you on here. And for listeners who are new to the show or haven't listened to a lab session before, these labs episodes, they're where we take a little bit more of a behind the scenes, like insights, research generated by Linear B. We use that to discuss some of the things that are going on in dev, sometimes talk about like trends across the industry. In the past, we've covered things like best and worst programming languages for dev workflows. Actually, a a really cool one, data behind pull requests, like all this in-depth data, but it's like what's happening with PRs. We also did a metrics benchmarks for engineering teams with Ori. So, you know, totally recommend checking all those out. Great topics. But today, our topic, we'll be looking at R&D and project allocation. And that's where Aran comes into play. So like Aran, one of the leading researchers on how like modern dev orgs work or could work and discuss why project allocation has become such an important issue for engineering teams. In fact, last week, Linear B hosted a workshop. This like a, this is amazing. You all got to check it out. Workshop on scaling developer efficiency. It touches on how we think about project allocation. We had like a a few thousand people in the DI or like engineering community join. So, you know, we'll definitely post that link. Everyone check it out. But let's jump in today's conversation with Aran. 
Aran, why don't you give yourself kind of like a formal introduction, who you are and what you do at Linear B? Thanks, Dan. Uh, so in Linear B, I'm the VP of product running the product and UX organization. Came from a background of between like 10 or 15 years of product leadership, leading, uh, been a year and a half in Linear B, which is a treat. It is amazing ride outside of my comfort zone. I love it. But my former 15 years were actually leading cyber and data protection products from conception. Before that, I was actually doing a lot of cyber and a little bit of enterprise risk management. And as I would like to call it, before, before that, going back to the previous millennium, which gives away a little bit of my age, I was starting as an IT and managing, uh, managing networks and, and, and computers and servers for systems, you know, back in the 1997 days. Wait, no way. I didn't even know that about you. You started out in like the network game? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a network. Yeah. Totally network background. So and then you rode the cybersecurity wave, both of us, super hot topic in like the, you know, 2010s plus. Yeah. And now you're on the good side with Linear B. And I'll kick us into the first question. So for anyone like in the audience who may not be aware, what is project allocation? Like how, how would you kind of define it in layman's terms? That's a great question. I would start with a very generic question. Okay, what is project allocation? It's really about assigning resources to a project in order to complete it successfully. It sounds super simplistic, but it has a lot of details to it, right? You, take, you start with like, hey, amount of people. Is it aligned with by business focus or priority? It evolved like uh, mainly two things when we talk about it in dev relations, right? In, in relation to our world is really about, am I staffing my project or my initiative correct? Right? I want to be successful, making sure that the right amount of resources are there. And it really ties me back into my budget. Okay, what's my cost of running that dev resources into that initiative? I think it's like... Um... It sounds simple. Probably if you think of like, okay, if you're an early startup and there's only eight engineers and one product person, it's like, okay, you know what your project allocation is. It's like all of you go work on the most important thing that we're like trying to build this company on. But it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like it's the type of thing where it rapidly gets more complicated. You're thinking about a team of like, 30 engineers and you have 50 engineers and you have 80 engineers, 200 engineers. Maybe you have all these inputs coming into product or like, I don't know, like your, your CEO, like, can you elaborate on like how it gets like more complicated? Oh, sure. Like try to get, try to, to, to envision right in your mind, trying to collect, Hey, I have a 200, 300, right? I'm not even going to a crazy scale, 200, 300 yeah, developers. Yeah. And we're, we are not just product where, where like we had this triage of like, Hey, I'm a VP of engineering. I'm a VP of product like myself and I'm a project manager, right? The holy trial of, Hey, this is a product delivery. And we're trying to compile, Hey, what's our people are doing? Right. What, what there is there? Are they aligned with a business? Right. Besides everybody's focus, like, Hey, on product, I get the delivery and the releases on time and getting that and enablement. And engineering has the engineering excellence. Like, hey, are we even aligned with business? How my people are spread across my initiative? 
it sounds simple, but it, it's a man, usually a manual labor that is very tedious to get right. Yeah, and I'd say like you even got the CEO, like usually CEO really wants to know like, okay, what's going on with the product? But it's surprising to me even in my, because I was part of that like Triforce. There was like, you know, VPE, you're like on, on the product side, like a VP product. And then there could be like a finance person or like a project manager involved, but CEO can always come in and like pull the oh. trump card and that type of thing. But I, I was surprised of how often the CEO was actually not aligned with even like the top two or three projects. Do you, have you seen that at all? Or yeah. Like your... Yeah, we see, we see it all the time. Like people are, when you, uh, when we work with like early design partners, you see it like they're surprised. Okay. Oh, I was not aware that these are my, all my initiatives that my people are working on. Oh, how this initiative is being staffed way over on top of this, uh, of this other initiative that is like way lower impact in my business. Right. You, it's very easy to lose track where you're in the hundreds of developers. Especially when you start bringing in like the impact side of things. It's like, okay, yeah, what, what we're working on can get out of sync with what the business feels can either like bring in the most revenue. That's usually what they care about or like retain the most customers or like do something innovative. One thing that I wanted to ask you because it's kind of a current event situation. I think we all know, but I'll give a little recap. Things are a little rough in the world right now. You have some companies, let's say, that are doing like uh, downsizing. Global economy is not in perfect shape. What do you think kind of like makes this the right time for engineering orgs to start thinking maybe a little bit more about this project and product allocation stuff? This is actually a good, a very good time to ask that question. Like we see in recent uh, weeks or over a couple of months, we feel the economy, right? Everybody yeah. to be more efficient. Right? A lot of companies looking on a way to be efficient and like reducing workforce and focusing on top initiatives. This thing, Like, hey, this is time when I want to reevaluate my investment in my initiative in a company. This is a very natural thing to do in a company these days. So efficiency in resource allocation is really become a necessity to run the business in like these days. Companies need to be efficient in their resource allocation with a clear focus and priority. So this is why it becomes like it's a necessity during this time. Yeah, it feels like kind of a time right now, like you mentioned it, but maybe we need to relook at what we're focused on. There's a lot of shuffling going around. You know what I was actually thinking about that I wanted to run by you? I also think that it, it, it's a good time, especially if we're thinking about engineering organizations, to be proactive with the business. And what, what do I mean by that? So if you're listening, you're like a, a BPE, think about having a view or like going to your CEO and saying, hey, I want to show you where engineering is investing and I want to ensure to you that we have the right people on the top projects. And by the way, this is like probably the, the important part when we're thinking about downsizing or hopefully not downsizing in the engineering org. This is how many people it takes to be really like effective in the things that you would like to deliver, Mr. or Mrs. CEO you know, over the next 90 days. Like that sounds like very proactive to me, kind of like, let me ensure that, you know, I, 
I'm protecting my people a bit, but like I have the resources that we need to deliver, you know, on time. Like what, what do you think about that? Yeah, mindset? we've seen that and we've seen like companies go even one step further from that. But actually with companies that they've seen resource allocation, it kind of make them say, you know what? It's really easy for me to understand, right? Hey, I have like three initiatives that were totally make sense where we want to invest, right? We want to do something that is sitting for the future or think that the, uh, uh, the value was questionable. It really fits last year's strategy for the company. Hey, now CEO, hey, we just want to make sure, hey, we've reinvested that the efforts from this, this initiative, who, who is the fit for the company, a priority and focus is questionable. We reinvested them to be more efficient. And actually, when, when time to market is important, even staff or top initiative, even, even in a more efficient way. So this is... Oh, this that's is really a, cool. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I love that. That's even like a, something more proactive. Like, you know, your VP, you can say, hey, I listened to the changes that we need to make. Because a, a lot of companies right now, let's be honest, they're focused on cost reduction, efficiency. How do I get more with less? How do I simulate a larger workforce? Like times are tough. And I think it's pretty cool what you're saying. Like, yeah, if you go in super proactive is like, uh, I want to show or ensure to you that like we've made the, uh, the adaptation, the changes that we need to focus on the, the new initiative. That's super smart. I love that. We feel that, by the way, like proactive is a thing. People are constantly reevaluating their, their initiative and their focus and their investment in top initiative in the company. We see that all the time. You know, we talk a lot about like metrics, especially mm-hmm. in these labs type episodes. What do you think are the metrics you would use to measure effective resource allocation? It's a very good question. It has like uh, layers. I think it they touch uh, a little bit of like, I'm in my head <clears throat> and when talking to customers, really resonate. Separate between like the org level, making sure that my initiative are prioritized and they are in alignment with the business, right? It's very easy for me to explain them, right? My, uh, my top initiative or my initiatives are stuffed correctly. I'm investing in the right stuff or stop investing in the thing that I should not be invested. Then I actually zoom in, as I call it, and go initiative uh, on a per initiative level, right? And then my focus change to, am I executing on this initiative with the right uh, predictability and quality and, and capacity to the business, right? So my shift change from, okay, I'm stuffing it correctly. Am I doing it with the right cost on the org right. level to on a pair initiative to talk about, hey, this is my planning accuracy. This is my capacity accuracy. This is my right. velocity. No, I hear you. I mean, I've been in those types of meetings and oftentimes, like, again, when you're like a, a VPE or like a, VPPM, when you're in that type of meeting, you're usually with maybe like the C-level, sometimes the board or like, it's kind of like like the top level. So it might feel like a, a fast moving, high pressure situation. So if you start out with like, okay, here is my resource allocation. Here's like the percentage of people that we have focused on these projects. You can kind of see or expect instantaneously, it might be like, okay, this all looks good. By the way, how is project number two going? Yeah. And then you're like, okay, it, best situation is let me talk to you about that. And I think that's where you're saying like, uh, you know, your capacity accuracy, your planning accuracy, your like, is that how you would use it? Or like, how have you seen it? 
Oh, actually, you touch a very interesting point. Like I've been, I'm used to do it in a, in a very certain way, right? In the old way on the spreadsheet or even uh, or even a presentation. It's very hard to shift between uh, between that and when questioned. It's it's very hard to put on the spot. Like you most uh, definitely don't have the answer at hand. But you're right. Like you you when working with CEO or even CFO, they can jump between. Hey, what's the cost of this initiative? To hey, right. my yeah. engineering or my project manager. Hey, let me show you. We have, we probably need more capacity because our planning accuracy, or we have a quality issue, or we need to, to have more people. It really goes really fast from like cost org level to, Hey, I, I probably need more people. And this is why. Yeah. It's like kind of almost context switching. Like how fast can you be prepared to contact switch? Like yeah. as a VPE, like I remember being in these conversations. So like CFOs super smart people. They're like data geniuses in their own right, usually like with dollars and stuff. At the last company that both of us worked at, we had like a really sharp CFO. Yeah, I remember I was like a little more of like a junior VP at the time. And yeah, the conversation, if it it was like me, CEO, CFO, it would bounce quick to, okay, we're working on these projects. How much is is it costing us? Okay, Dan, like, why do you need this many people? What's the total cost? What's the salary situation? You know, like a, a, a CFO usually has that mindset. Their efficiency mindset is like dollars to impact, like dollars spent to dollars gained, right? Totally. And again, I think it's like around, we're going to talk a little bit more about like how you get that view to like hop around quick. But before we go there, what does good project allocation look like? And what does like bad pro- project allocation look like? So, you know, let's say that I'm a modern VP of engineering, right? I have yeah. the duality in my hand, right? Project allocation, it's hard to distinguish it, to, to talk about that in a very dispersed way, right? I, I want to one hand, it's very natural to me to talk about like engineering excellence, right? All the right things that I'm doing, right? And I'm being efficient, but it's really, I'm, I, I see like modern VP need to talk more and more about business alignment. Hey, these are the initiatives that we have. I want to make sure that I'm staff them correctly. And I need to have the data in hand to prove that, right? This is a very yeah. good allocation. I can show or demonstrate that I'm aligned with the business on one hand. I'm staffing my people correctly within budget. And I have the data to show that. That's, uh, that right. for me would be a very good project allocation. And I and and the people that I need to work with are of course the the CEO, the CFO, the project management, the product management, right? So I'm really in the middle of people. A want to see the data in a, in a meaningful and simple way, and they would like to start asking, as you say, like intelligent question about this data. And then on the flip side. Like what does like a bad allocation look like, or like what what have you seen with to be in like a not so good shape? Okay, th- this is this is good example. So I take yeah. it from the org level, right? Uh, too many initiatives, and this really goes to the organization by organization. But it's really hard, it's really common to see when I'm working with like uh, design partners on that. Like a common pattern would be, hey, we're working on too many things. It's very often to hear that, right? As a business, we're working on too many things. We need to focus in order to be successful. It's a common thing like shifting between 2022 to 2023, given 2021 when growth was a thing. So shifting, you will find it in a lot of company. Hey, we're working on too many things. 
you, we can find initiatives that are fragmented or not staffed enough. This is a very bad uh, behavior or bad project allocation that can be fixed like easily by following the good pattern. Right. Let's dive into that a bit because I've had a lot of like brutal career lessons <laughs> in fragmentation. And we let's uh, like define maybe fragmentation from like a scientific standpoint. And then we can like talk about maybe like a, a story around it. Or I'll bring one up because I, I have it in mind. But when you think about fragmentation, what does fragmentation mean to you from like a numbers perspective? Yeah, you, you can find an organization, right? An, an initiative, a company initiative, something big that you, uh, has a company, I don't know, okay, I'll align to it, but like a one or two people, right? The amount of impact that you will gain from it, right, is insignificant for the business. You want to really consider discovering this like fragmented initiative and use the workforce there for your top initiative. It's a much more I would say recommended behavior in this time. So it's kind of like there's like only one to two engineers, two and a half, yeah. working on a bunch of projects. And the end result is like, there's not an MV, there's not like an MVP, like a minimum amount of team that can actually get together to produce something of impact. Is that like a good way to say it? Something totally. Like you're totally right, Dan. We see, we see it a lot, right? Think about teams that went into like restructuring or layoffs, right? You used to have like a four, three to four, five, six people that could yeah. really, that could really make a, make a difference, could make an impact. And now that they actually then, now they're down to one, but this, this initiative yeah, keeps going on by, by inertia, right? So, so it's really, this is, this is the opportunity to look at it, to find these initiatives and say, you know what? I either join them together into one initiative. I use like three or four of them and unite them together and say, okay, I chose this one. Or use these people for the high impact, the, the top priority business initiative. Yeah, okay. Totally get, get it from like a more like science standpoint. Here's a story or like a lesson that I'd like to try to convey. And hopefully it will come out right. And I think I'm improving on it now, but maybe not. Let's see. So earlier in my career as a VP of engineering, I was usually working with CEOs. And I think still it's a true trait that some of the best CEOs are definitely have amazing visions and kind of push the company to do more than you think it could do. Like, you know, let's get like the collective crew of people going in the right vision and we're going to produce this unbelievable thing. And so they kind of have this natural thing within them to a, like, we can achieve more than you think that we could. And I actually think that that's like amazing CEOs, especially if you're like a product-based company, which are like a lot of, a lot of us are. Now, the thing is, when, when you get with that type of person, you're a VP of engineering or you're like a product person like yourself, there's a tendency then to like consume that vision and think you can do more than you can really do. That's the thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I can do everything on the roadmap. We're going to just like evangelize this thing. And, you know, we can have like a, a small amount of people working on like 20 things in parallel. Yeah. But the thing is, in actuality, 
you know, that energy wears off and some of these like really small fragmented projects start to not go somewhere so well because you can only live off of that energy for like a few weeks and then people get burned out and it doesn't work. So I guess one of the lessons or something that I'm working on in my career is like saying back to, to the CEO, hey, I totally understand your vision and I want to deliver on it. We're going to deliver on it, but let me show you some data of why we need to focus our energy and therefore focus like most of our people on maybe like your top three ideas because I want to deliver them in the best quality as fast as possible and kind of like resist that temptation to do everything at once. You you know what I'm kind of saying here? Totally. Almost on a daily basis, I have to admit, but this is really touched on on an agile agile methodology thing, right? It goes back to the roots of the thing that we're doing, being lean and agile, right? So stop starting and start finishing, right? It's really important. Hey, we we can on a quarter on on a specific term, we can uh, finish five initiatives on eighty percent, or would you rather finish four of them on hundred percent? It's really right. down to that, and it's a really interesting discussion. Say, okay, now we're mid quarter. Should we refocus our people or let's start the next quarter even smarter? Should we focus our people in, let's say, 80% of the initiative and set ourselves for success? Right. This is a very hard conversation, but backed with data, it's much easier. Yeah, you hit on the right point. Like, it's a tough conversation. But when you come and visualize your project allocation, the business, the CEO, other, other people kind of at that level will, will respect it and say, oh, okay. That makes sense. And the lesson that I learned is what the business respects from the engine, like product engineering team is on time delivery. As opposed to like, yeah, we got like uh, 15 projects running in parallel. We're doing your vision, but all of them are late. No, that sucks. I totally get it. I wanted to say to the audience, don't make the mistakes I've made in the past. Now, Now, much better at like focusing in deliver on the top three on time, the business will like reward you. Totally. And that's what I've learned. I, I love it. And I call it in my, in my own terms, I call it predictability. There's nothing, there's like great value to the business and create predictability. I will deliver on my promises on time. I just want to make sure that my promises are realistic. And when backed with data and my word on it, this becomes like a, a reality. I can make 90, 95% of my promises on time with the right quality. Right. This, this is really a shift in how we deliver product. Now for you, you know, I know one of the reasons that you're coming on the labs episode, because we were kind of like talking behind the scenes before, before it started, you within linear B, like the product it's, itself, you got to work on a few features like that are related to resource allocation, like project tracking that are in your wheelhouse of research. So I want to give you a chance to talk about like, what what did you work on? Like, why was it fun? What does it do? So it all started with the way that we've done, I've done resource allocation, right? Looking at the company initiative, like how I'm investing, right? Thinking about strategic way to how do we actually slice the pie of R&D resources, right? It's a, it's a common, I need to report on that. I need to track on that. This is a constant, I think that I need to worry and report on, right? So right. I had a great opportunity 
to build a product for people like me, for people like my stakeholders, so we can all come prepared to such conversation. We really worked internally with and with design partner on a pain that almost every product delivery person, leader, actually, are, are, are having. I want a simple, easy solution to understand how do my R&D pie is sliced, how the effort are being sliced, right? Uh, what are they working on? Is there functional, non-functional, bug enhancement, and so on? Now we can have a very intelligent discussion when talking to the C-level, right? We want to... We want to come to the table with data. This is a lot of the DNA that uh, uh, the Clean Airb was founded on, right? So we build exactly that. <laughs> we actually uh, build a resource allocation. We connect it uh, to your PM board, your Jira, for example, and we automatically scan it. So you, I don't need to go and select board and, and do all this tedious work that I used to do, like running around me and my people to prepare that, uh, that report. And we scan for initiative, project, and epic. Each, each organization is a little bit different these days. And create really a simple dashboard that can uh, easily provide me with the visibility and the amount of cost and FTE per initiative, right? This is the basic thing that I need in order to talk intelligently about like slicing the pie. It really enabled me in, in, in turn to base my engineering resource strategy to talk about it and to even base my own decision before I even go to the uh, to the meeting on real data. It's important to me, but also to my stakeholders. I can discover fragmented low-value initiative. I can think about things that we should stop doing. This is a constant worry to me, specifically at this time, these two. And it was very hard to do before. It was either done by Excel or like uh, uh, an additional tool or, or, or stuff or information that I need to get to get from like three or four systems easily. I was like feeling very privileged and like uh, within the bits and bytes of building everything like in resource allocation, I was using number zero as I call it. I yeah. use it all the time. I'm like, I'm so excited for you because like usually, you know, when we think linear beer, we talk on like pods and stuff. We're talking cycle time. We're talking Dora metrics. We're talking PR size which relates to all this stuff of on-time delivery. But you got an opportunity to, you know, deliver something for that, like uh, VP of engineering plus the, you know, VP of product plus the CEO, CFO world, which I, which I know is like such a pain point as we've been talking about for most of the episode here. What I'd love to hear is kind of that relationship between the VPE the VP product, the CEO, and like, how do you think what you built kind of a, a affects that workflow that that party goes through, you know, over and over? Yeah. When you think about, you need to think about like the internal working of such a meeting, right? It gets, right. it's it not from a preparation, right? Both from the product side, hey, these, these are the business initiatives, right? I, I'm working very hard to make sure that they align with the business. Now, engineering has their own list, right? So uh, right out of the bat, we're starting to compare lists, right? Usually spreadsheet, very uh, human labor, right? Very manual work, prone to errors. We've done it a lot of time, so it's not funny. You don't see me funny over that, right? Um, it's always a rush, right? Two days before we had to do it, I'm working with my project manager, my, uh, my CEO, all, all my stakeholders to make sure that it's right on time. And the thing that was a constant pitfall for us is like we come very prepared with a spreadsheet, right? We, we gather all this data 
and we were very confident we'll be the very nice slide based on all this data. And now the CFO or the CFO, usually it was actually the CEO, which is like super, super smart, super data driven. Oh, can you show me how, can you drill down into this initiative? I want to know more about, hey, why do you need like more people? How this, yeah. the how things stop. Super annoying. And it, it was like super frustrating for me to not be able to answer on the spot. Say, so, yeah. like, hey, uh, you're right. Let me go back and get the data for you. Then it's another meeting. It's very hard to get scheduled. And, and, and it, a little bit of frustration, right? So again, a bonus for me, like saying, hey, you know what? I get this data. Hey, what do you want to know? Going back and forth, it was like, uh, it's all, it totally makes sense to me because when I'm in one of those types of meetings, what worries me, okay, like in a spreadsheet, you can do all this preparation, put in like a high level of effort and it can answer questions that are, I don't know, like predefined, right? Exactly. But when you get into the actual dynamic conversation and you want to be data backed about your resource allocation, how is the project going? Uh, what are the bottlenecks? When are we going to deliver on time? All of that, how much does it cost? All of that stuff comes up. And I think like the badass thing about the thing that you built is it's all connected together. So it's like, hey, not only am I going to tell you like why I need this many people, but I'm also going to actually show you the screen. Okay, let me click into this and I'll show you how is the project going and why we should continue this like amazing investment and when you bring it with data, the response from the other parties in the room is like, okay, cool. Like, I don't have any more questions. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, think about it. Like, visualize. I'm coming to you as a COO. I'm asking for more resources for my initiative. It's one thing to say, hey, initiative number two, hey, I have a quality problem. I have a quality problem there. Think about it. You would say, okay, I need more data. Totally natural response, right? If I zoom in on this initiative and show you, hey, you know what, Dan? Look, over the last six months, my open bug rate trend is this. Now we're having a totally different conversation and say, hey, you know what, Iran? Yes, I can totally support putting like two more QA people or, or engineers that are focused on quality. Now understand, yeah, we want to be more predictable. We, we all understand that we have a quality issue. Yeah. Just an example. No, that's cool. It's like, uh, you want to know why it's like a little bit behind? Look at this bug oh. trend. Our yeah. percent investment in bugs is 20%. That's why we need two other people on this project. We have too much technical debt. It's hard to say no to that. It's yeah. like, okay, let's do it. Like, let's deliver on time and let's make, like, let's add those two people. I get it. Done. Well, that, that's wonderful. We're coming up on, on our time here. Is there anything that we didn't touch or anything that you want to? I feel like we touched any, we touched all, all the all the basics like in in resource allocation. For me, it was really like a, an eye opener and, and a change. It was like pivotal change. Now I'm collecting the data. I don't need to bug my people, right? I can have a very intelligent conversation. I call it within my head about hey, what's my strategy should be. I can look at it and plan. Okay, I have these two people. I can come prepared to meeting with the C level. Super important. I can even my internal meeting with my peers, the VP of engineering and the product manager are really much more effective. We can go back and forth. Hey, look at this data six months ago or two months ago. Oh, hey, what we want to be the baseline. So it's really transformational. It really transformed my conversation with my peers, the VP of project and engineering and my C-level conversation. 
now my CEO come back to my, to my desk and actually tell me, hey, can you show me this? Can you show me this about the initiative? How much did you invest in? How can you know? Can you compare it like, hey, show me six months ago? It's like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, man. I'm, well, first off, I'm super excited for you. This feature set is amazing. Everyone should check it out at Linear B. I wanted to thank you for coming and sitting down with me today. I know it took us a minute to get you on for a labs episode. We'll have to have you back in the future, but thank you so much for coming on. Happy to be here, Dan. Thanks for inviting me. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider watching the Developer Efficiency Workshop. It's up on our YouTube channel and it's linked in the show notes. Hope you all enjoyed this edition of Linear B Labs and we'll see you all next time. What's up, Arun? Hey, Dan. Question for you related to whiskey. Ooh. Top three whiskeys or scotch or like whatever you're, you're into. That's a very good question. My go-to is actually my daily is uh, probably a Macallan. It would be like a 12 or 15, what I get my hands on. Uh, the second one is actually uh, a recent one that I got as a present, which is a Nika Barrel. And the third one, which I'd like is an American, actually. It's a very easy one to, to get along with. Like um, a Gentleman Jack. Love it. Super smooth, super no easy, shit. very accessible. Nice. Yeah. Cool, man. I got you.